Okay, just give people another half minute or so to wander in. But um, maybe I'll just start with a little bit of the, the, the preamble. Um, so good evening, everyone. Wonderful to see some new people who are actually people I have, are not new people at all, but people I haven't seen in a while. You know who you are. It's just wonderful to see. Um, just, you know, it's just, it's really cool to reconnect with people I've known in other contexts, but in this way, that's lovely. Um, and um, good to see all the regulars and people who have been coming pretty regularly. Wonderful to see everyone. And, um, and so, yeah, just welcome. Um, I wanna say just right now that I'm gonna email everyone either tonight or tomorrow um, so if you're not on the email list, um, you can subscribe to it by going to williamstownzengroup.org. Um, it's a little form just to, to get on the email um, list. And you can unsubscribe anytime. Um, but um, I'm going to email everyone two things. One's related to what I'm going to speak about tonight. Um, and one is uh, looking ahead to next week. The thing that's looking ahead to next week is a piece that came out in Harper's just, I think, this past week uh, called Lost in Thought. Um, it's an article. Of, I think I don't, I don't get uh, Harper's in print form, so I don't know if it's like the feature article. It seems like a long piece online. Or maybe it's just like most of the pieces are long form. But it's on... Um, it's on uh, recent sort of concerns and research on the adverse effects of meditation, especially spearheaded by Willoughby Britton, who teaches um, uh, at Brown University. And, um, and so this piece is about Britton's work. Um, and, um, but it's narratively around the story of, um, a person who I think her name was Amanda, who, um, and I, 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 I don't know the details, I'm not sure if I'm blanking on some of the details or if they just actually weren't fully spelled up. I got the sense that she was like a 20 something um, out of college at the beginning of a, you know, you know, exciting chapter in her life in 2017 and decided um, on the way to some place that she was going to settle, I think, for a bit, to do a 10-day Goenka Vipassana retreat. Um, I think she had a little bit of exposure to meditation before, but I don't get the sense that it was super deep. Um, but in any case, um, like happens sometimes, um, she had a very, very, very bad experience. Um, and... Um, So, um, and I'll, I'll let you read the article because I'll, I'll send it out. Um, it, the story doesn't end well. Um, and I think the, the article is um, using it as an example of, of why people shouldn't be selling mindfulness or meditation in the way they have as this kind of cure-all, this you know thing that's just gonna make everyone feel awesome. Um, 
and um, how we need to be smarter about the potential, sometimes seriously adverse effects of meditation practice. Um, and so, and I totally agree with that. And I've, um, so, and I, th I think um, there are some things I'd like to draw out of that piece um, that I think may be of interest to some of you in terms of your own experience, but also I think it's just good for people who are interested in meditation to know for when you have friends who get into the practice. Um, because I think there are ways in which it can, um, without proper guidance especially, um, really end up doing, you know, um, unfortunate things to people's um, psychological well-being. And so, I mean, one of the things I'll just say right away, like, cause you, I think that the, the instructors at that Goenka Center did a horrible job of um, guiding her through this experience. And I think actually they bear a lot of responsibility for what happened to her. Um, and, um, you know, when you see someone who's having really, really difficult time with meditation practice, um, and you're worried about things like, you know, psychotic breaks and things like this, you just don't tell them to keep meditating. You know, you, you, you tell them to stop um, and you talk and you, you um, so, um, but you know, I think there are people who actually think that meditation just on its own, following the breath, being aware of the body can somehow just fix everything. And I, and I think it's really, it's, it's just unfortunate. So, so for a variety of reasons, I want to um, pause over that article next week. Okay. Um, for this, oh, and actually, yeah, and I, I and I'll tell you, Willoughby Ritten came to, to Williams to give a talk. I had dinner with her. Um, so I can, I can also say a little bit more about the work she's doing, which I think is important though. Um, so um, the piece that I'm gonna, the other thing I'm gonna share tonight in an email after class is an audio recording of chapter four of Ezra Beta's book, Being Zen. Um, and actually I have audio recordings of like two thirds of the chapters of that book that I've posted at various times. And I will send out again, um, links to all the different recordings of the different chapters, but chapter four, um, talks about the thing that I want to talk about tonight, which is something that Ezra calls experiencing. I actually don't really like that term, but so to not introduce more terms and to make it confusing, I'm actually going to stick with it. Okay. So um, it's good enough because actually the first thing he says about it is you can't actually define it. So in a way, it doesn't really matter what the term is. Um, so experiencing is the topic for tonight. And um, because Ezra's chapter is in book form, you know, he can just take his time like laying it out. It will go into a little bit more detail and talk about things I probably won't have time to touch on tonight. And so both as a compliment as a re and as a reinforcement of what I'm about to talk about, um, I highly recommend it. I think this thing that he calls experiencing, and basically we're just, we're into it right now. Experiencing is something like, I don't know, I mean, I'm not sure if there's a place for numbers, but like it is the it is the meat and potatoes of practice. Um, like 90% of the practice life is just spent um, experiencing in the way that Ezra talks about it. 
Um, but it's, it's, it's something that is, can take a while to get a feel for. Um, and that's, I think, why I want to pause over it. Um, so I think the best way to do it is actually to try it, but I want to say just a few words about what we're doing tonight and why. So, um, you know, people start meditation practice often by learning to concentrate our focus on what's called a meditative anchor. The most common anchor is the breath, sensations of the breath in the nose, the belly, or the chest. The breath is a good anchor for all sorts of reasons. Um, um, it's always there. It's always changing. You know, it's also a good um, barometer of how your emotions are doing. You know, so for a lot of different reasons, the breath is a really great place to anchor your awareness. Um, I think that it's natural at the beginning of one's um, sort of practice with meditation to focus on the breath or whatever else you're focusing on. It, focusing on. it could be sensations and parts of the body. It could be sounds in the environment. It could be anything. But I think it is very natural at the beginning of one's meditation practice um, to, and this is like language is going to get a little hard here, but it's like to, to follow the breath or to focus on the anchor in a very kind of like, um, active and sort of um, egocentric way. By egocentric, I don't mean like narcissistic, but like it is the ego tracking the breath. You have a very strong sense that you as the meditator are following the breath. Um, and this can sometimes lead to a sense of like monitoring the breath, tracking it. Um, and I think this is actually one of the big reasons why a lot of people experience when they start following the breath, a kind of tensing up of the breath, you know, it often perplexes people like why, when I'm doing this practice, which everyone says is supposed to be relaxing and I follow the breath, does it end up actually making my breath feel a bit tighter? My whole, like, you know, it's because I think the quality of awareness that we naturally bring to the breath, especially in the early days of practice, is one of the mind kind of doing something, tracking. And I think anytime the mind in that way goes after something, it brings some tension with it, you know? Um, so it's like, you know, uh, I actually like the German word for concept, begriff, is like, is has the etymological root in grasping, right? So I think the mind, when it attends to things, often does it in the form of grasping. And you can feel that actually in our body when the mind brings us awareness to different parts of the body. Same thing with when we bring our awareness to different sensations of the body. Um, in this egocentric way, you can often experience a kind of uh, intensification of the sensations you're bringing your awareness to. And so if they're unpleasant, tight, tense sensations, anxious sensations, sometimes bringing awareness to the sensations can actually make them flare up. 
there's nothing wrong with this. It's kind of like, it's unpleasant often. Um, and we don't like it. And sometimes people actually can't, you know, give up because they think it's just not working. It actually makes me feel more anxious, more tight. So what's the point of this practice? Um, and so that's bad if that happens, but, but for someone who has the perseverance to stick through, this is almost like a natural, I think really early stage of meditation practice, which doesn't mean it won't flare up again from time to time, but it's like, especially in the early days. Um, so what you then start to experience with practice is a different kind of awareness that Ezra is getting at with his term experiencing, um, which is when awareness starts to become more open, less like the ego or the self monitoring sensations or something like the breath, rather more like a just sort of, I mean, that's why this term experiencing is like, you just sort of, you're just, you're just there with them. They're just, you're just aware and the sensations and the breath and thoughts and everything that's happening and also environmental stimuli, they're just there in awareness. Um, it's more spacious, more open than this kind of, you know, tight monitoring that I was gesturing towards before. And I'm, I'm slightly exaggerating, you know, I was just, um, it, that monitoring doesn't always feel tight, but I think compared to um, this experiencing, it is tight, it's more focused. So for example, like when this kind of egocentric focusing works really well at its best, as it were, then you can enter highly absorptive concentrated states. In Zen, we call these samadhi states, high you know, concentration states. And you can lose awareness of anything else. You even can lose awareness of yourself. Um, but what's different from experiencing is that Experiencing, you never close off sensations or any other part of your experience. So experiencing is always open, alert, aware of what's going on both in the body and in the environment. Unlike those kind of highly concentrated states of mind you can get from following the breath, where you actually can lose any kind of awareness of what's going on around you, you know. Concentration is a useful tool, but the problem with this, these kind of concentration states is they can become pleasant and people can start to think that actually like that's the point of practice to experience that kind of absorption. And then it becomes um, a kind of relatively risky detour because it's not. The point of practice is to be awake, awake to your life as it is, to reality. And you can't be awake to reality unless you're actually aware of reality, all of it. So, um, so concentration is useful when it can be put in the service of this more wide open kind of experiencing that leaves room for actually like just life as it is, you know? So tonight I want to, um, I've done this before, but I haven't done it in a while. Introduce something called three-point awareness. Um, and the idea is actually really simple. It's like you will begin by following the breath, just like you know most of us start doing. And then we'll add another anchor, 
um, either sounds, the environment, or sensations of the body. And then we'll add a third anchor, like sounds, environment, or sensation of the body. And I'm only hedging on that because I haven't decided which order I'm going to do it in. And that's also good to know. There's no magic order. <laughs> okay. In fact, you can pick any three anchors. And I'll just say right now, I think the breath is good. And then some anchor that's inside the body. And then some anchor that's outside the body. I think just you want something not just, just inside the body, but also outside the body, because it is about being awake to the reality around you as well. Okay. So actually, as long as you do those three things, breath, inside body, outside body, any three anchors will work. So I did this. So if the anchors that I use tonight don't work for you, just pick other ones. And maybe even during the meditation, I might say, go try, pick three other ones for you, you know, give them a try. Okay. Um, and the reason this practice is really useful is because it's hard to focus on three anchors simultaneously um, while maintaining that monitoring, tracking kind of attitude that I was talking about at the beginning. You may try to do that for a while, and you may find yourself having to go back and forth between the three different anchors. Like, okay, so I'm following the breath, and I all, the only way I know how to follow the breath is kind of in this narrow way. Okay, then I, let me feel what the hands are doing or the, you know, the, my buttocks or some other part of the butt, and then let me listen to sounds, okay? And then maybe you'll start to get these moments where you can start to hold two or three of the anchors simultaneously in awareness, which will only be possible if awareness kind of dilates, starts to get a little bit more open. And then what may happen, what will happen eventually, but not necessarily tonight, but what will happen eventually is that you will experience falling into the state of just open awareness or experiencing where the three anchors, sometimes you can even add a fourth or a fifth, you know, as a way of really pushing the envelope more, you know, more things to hold because the mind will then start to relax in the state of just being present and alert and aware what's going on, where you will feel the three anchors, but you also feel everything else. You'll feel the entirety of the body. You'll feel the breath. You'll hear the sounds and space around you. You'll feel the air in the room you're in, all of it. You'll just, you'll just be in the space that you're in, in this moment. That is a feel thing. And so this practice can't produce that experience but it can take us to the threshold of the experience where sometimes awareness can let go into this state of, sometimes people call it experiencing like Ezra does or like witnessing, just being aware where there's not even any tracking going on, where it's just open, alert, where it's not even you being aware, but just awareness. Um, Tony Packer liked to use this phrase, Awaring, right? It's like awareness, just awaring. It's not any self doing the practice. And that's, you can sort of see from that right there, like why this is so connected to Zen practice. Because then you start to realize that you are more the space of awareness, awareness awaring, than you are the self practicing a technique called meditation. Um, so there's an experience that um, led me to, to focus on um, focusing 
the practice of focusing last week. And that was how when people sometimes feel unpleasant sensations and they go into them during practice, how they will get in tight, they'll tighten up, get exacerbated, intensified. So this space of experiencing, because it's more open, you don't have to worry about going into sensations. Just let the sensations be there. If there's anxiety, if there's tension, just let them be. You don't need to pay them any special mind. They're there. Let them be there along with the breath, along with sounds. Okay, so we're gonna do this for an extended time, um, going in steps. And, um, and don't worry if what is described as experiencing doesn't actually happen for you. Or with practice, it will, but it's not something you can force. Um, and in a way, it's almost like just getting up to the point and then just, just somehow letting go. And you might experience it for a moment, and then you might pull back and then start, wait, I'm, I, need to, I need to do something, you know? Um, and so you might even experience this fluctuation where you experience this opening and then a constriction again into the self that wants to be meditating, you know? Um, so are there any questions? Um, I, this is somewhat abstract, I know, but I think for those of you who've been here regularly, I think you probably can follow me pretty easily. Um, but I wanna make sure that there's not something that's so like unclear to you that it would actually be a hang up as we start practicing. Okay, all right. So um, just get in a position that will be comfortable for you to practice in for I'd say 25 minutes or so. I'm gonna shoot to leave maybe just 10 minutes at the end for some Q and A. can be lying down, sitting up, sitting back, whatever works for you. Just let the breath, just be in a position so that the breath can move as freely as possible. Eyes can be open or closed, doesn't matter. Hands can be wherever they're most comfortable for you. And to begin, just check in with the body as a whole. Feel the feet, your legs. Feel the sensations in your buttocks, your pelvic area, your abdomen, your belly, lower back. your chest, your upper back, just scanning loosely, just not doing anything, just noticing how you're feeling in these parts of the body. How are the arms feeling, shoulders, forearms, the palms of your hands and your fingers. How's your throat, the back of your neck? Jaw muscles, lips, 
soft tissue in and around the eyes. What do you feel there? We're going quick. This is a light scan, not a deep dive. How's your forehead? What do you feel there? And last but not least, the crown of your head. What kind of sensations do you feel up there? All right. So let's begin the more formal part of the practice by bringing our awareness to the insides of our nose, the soft tissue in the nostrils. Just feel sensations in the nose produced by your breath as it enters and exits your body. Remember, we're not thinking about the breath, but as much as possible, trying to feel the actual physical sensations of the breath, the soft tissue in your nose. the end of a long day, your mind may be fatigued and wandering for that reason or active because it's been a stressful day. Just let the mind do its thing. This isn't about settling the mind or controlling the mind. Definitely not about stopping the mind. Just acknowledge that the mind is thinking and whenever the mind pulls you away from the breath, just notice that and gently but firmly bring your awareness back to the breath. As we continue to settle into this period of practice, 
See how granular or fine-grained your awareness of the sensations of the breath can become. At the beginning, as our mind is racing, I think our, our contact with the breath may be fleeting, somewhat superficial. Maybe we feel lucky enough to feel the breath at all, even once in a while. But see if you can feel the subtle shifts in the sensations of the breath all the way from the beginning to the end of an in-breath, and likewise with the out-breath. Texture, the grain of the breath, see if you can feel it. If a particularly juicy thought, one that has a lot of emotional pull on you, pulls you away from the breath and you feel like it's hard to come back to the breath, try labeling the thought, saying, having a thought, and then just repeat the thought to yourself, like having a thought, why did that person say that to me? Or having a thought, I can't do this, this is too hard, whatever the thought may be. Sometimes just repeating the thought in that way robs it of some of the charge that it has to hook your mind. So label the thought and then come back to the breath. But only do this for thoughts that feel like they have really strong pull on you. Most thoughts you can just notice and then come back to the breath without paying them too much mind. Now, while you continue feeling the sensations of the breath in your nose, look at to add a second anchor, which is sensations in your hands. So continue to feel the breath, but then see if you can also, at the same time, feel whatever sensations there might be in your hands. At first, it may be hard to hold both anchors in your awareness at the same time. 
If that's the case, feel free to gently toggle back and forth between breath and hands. But once in a while, see if you can hold both simultaneously in awareness. Just like with the breath, at first, you may have just a pretty superficial cursory awareness of the sensations in the hands. But as you continue being aware of the hands, see how fine-grained, textured, you can make your awareness of those sensations, just like with the breath. If you're already having a hard time with just two anchors, feel free just to stay with two. But if you feel like you're able to handle two, even if it's just some of the time, please try adding a third anchor, which is the sounds in the space around you. Try to hear everything there is to be heard in the space you're in. The sounds of the creaking of the house, the traffic outside, the sounds of your own breathing. And see if you can hold those in awareness while continuing to be aware of your breath and your hands. You'll notice that when you're lost in thought, you won't be able to hear very much. 
And when you can hear a lot, thoughts will not be pulling you away. So it's an interesting check on whether you're alert, present, aware. For the next 10 minutes, we're just gonna practice this three-point awareness. And during this next 10 minutes, if you like, feel free to try three different anchors, maybe the breath in the belly, maybe the feel of the air in the room on your skin, and maybe the sensations in your buttocks. Use the breath and then an anchor inside and outside the body. But if the three anchors we're using right now, nose, sounds, and hands are working, just stay with them. And I'll tell you when this period is over.
Remember that you're not following these anchors in order to tune the rest of reality out. It's not about feeling these three anchors, the exclusion of other things. So if you continue to feel pleasant or unpleasant sensations, notice thoughts or emotions moving through consciousness, experience stimuli from the environment, that's fine, more than fine. As long as you are tuned in to these three anchors, that's all there is to do.
Okay, spend 25 minutes. Gently wiggle your fingers, toes, take your time. Slowly open your eyes, if they're closed, reconnecting with the space around you. And we'll start up again in just a minute. Let's take your time. So I just want to leave some space for people to share what it was like, make comments about things, ask questions, whatever you'd like. Um, I can't see everyone on the screen at the same time, so feel free to just unmute if um, you'd like to speak up. Oh, just go ahead, Ezra. Okay. okay, so I think in this period, I felt something like a diffuse awareness, especially towards the end that was not strongly connected to any of the anchors that I had. And it felt kind of good, so that's nice, but I'm not sure that it really had to do, how would I know if it was about the present and I felt like a wash of many sensations but but I sort of feel like maybe there were a lot of thoughts and memories mixed in there that weren't so much about being like here where I am does that make sense the question. um yeah well for, and first of all it's not necessarily supposed to feel good so um so that's not a good measure and actually it's um um, I mean, I think it can. I'm not just saying this. Like it, sometimes you can have this kind of experiencing open awareness and feel really, really crappy because like what's going on in your body and mind feels really hard. Um, and nonetheless, you're actually right here. Um, and the other things I'd say is like our thoughts and memories and emotions not part of your present experience. Right? So um, you're alive. The brain's probably functioning. So um, the, the presence of thoughts and emotions and memories doesn't indicate that you're not present. Um, and so um, I think you can, you can tell or you can get a feel for when you're just lost in thought. And that feels different from being present while thinking is happening, you know. And that's like so many things um, that are like most important to a practice, a feel thing. Um, and so it sounds to me like from what you're describing that um, you were being present while thoughts and memories and were, were happening. And maybe the way you're shaking your head now means like sometimes, sometimes not, which is probably pretty accurate, right? Um, it's not gonna be continuous. And so it's just, and I think, you know, really, um, I think the most important thing I'd want to say is that, you know, we have a very strong temptation to kind of like track our experience, like to, to, to try to measure whether or not what we're doing is right or wrong, good or bad. And I think the key thing to do is just keep doing it. 
and um and over time you'll just get more and more of a feel for when you're here and when you're not um and if you do it enough you realize it doesn't even matter that you're keeping track because it's not about you know you um how many days you do it right how many you know so because there are days you're going to be like lost it's going to be impossible to stay present and yet you just persevering is key you know so um so this is a kind of a non-answer it's like ways in which like you can't use certain things to check and then also questioning the very desire to check you know the, like whether or not you're doing the right thing but those are all i'm responding to them because they're very natural desires i mean i think we really you know so um just yeah, I mean, it is diffuse. It will feel, it can, but it, it feels different. Sometimes it feels diffuse and soft and sometimes it feels crystal clear, you know? Um, and um, and again, it will change. The quality of it will change too. And you realize that it's just more the container that you're cultivating over time that will hold a lot of different kinds of experiences over. Um, so, Okay, I'll give you, I want to give you a chance to respond to that non-response. <laughs> I, that was helpful. I think the most helpful thing to me is to let, is the suggestion that the checking itself is not particularly important. But on the other hand, I so rarely talk about what it does feel like when we're doing this. So I, I thought I would ask a question. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's good. And also like the checking isn't natural. I mean, um, there are still days where I will like, you know, um, say, okay, you know, I don't know, like, I like sort of like do the soft thing. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a good sitting. Like, what does that even mean? You know? And so, um, or I'll say, okay, things look clear. Okay. That's, you know, and, and then you just, yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a kind of like, it's so disorienting and different from everything else we do this practice. Cause it's not about following directions and being a good kid and doing it right, you know? And that's very disorienting. And so of course, very, very powerful tendencies will constantly assert themselves that want to, to, to know, are we doing this right? Are we getting somewhere? And so the key thing is not to say that those are questions are stupid or wrong or something. It's actually just to notice that we're asking. You know, and then again, we become present, you know? Thank you. I think along those lines, I was noticing I was. You, you accidentally muted again, Smith. I just, you know, in the middle of this. I was taking inventory of the anchors. Yeah. <laughs> and I noticed that I was taking inventory of the anchors. And that was, it was, it was a hook I kept getting on. Um, but not a bad one. I mean, the anchors are there for a, a reason. They're, because it's like, otherwise, you know, in a certain way, you could think of like in 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 the Soto Zen tradition that I was originally trained in. You know, we have this thing called shikantaza, which means just sitting. You know, um, and the idea is like this practice, in a way, is is designed to get one into the experience of shikantaza or just just sitting. But I think it's actually I think it's good to have the anchors because it's like 
so often, you know, what does it mean to just sit? What does it mean just to be aware? You know, like, and so we can end up just daydreaming and being fuzzy minded for a long time because we think we're just, you know, and so the anchors are actually, I think, good to, to, to check, to make sure like, oh yeah, I'm still, because there are times where I'm like, oh wait, I can't hear anything. I've just been sitting for a while. I haven't heard a sound for like a, a minute or like, I'm realizing that I'm not actually feeling the breath, you know, in it's an actual textured way. I'm just really like, just sort of like have a loose, you know, and then, so it kind of, this is, you know, one of the, so it, the checking of that kind, is not bad, you know, honestly, um, it's like the last checks you need then at some point, then you can let go of those. But, you know, when you like, when, when you're ready, to let go of those, you won't, you, there won't be any question. You'll just know you don't need them. Um, and then, then, you know, Ezra actually has said this to me. It's like, cause I've said, you know, sometimes you end up in these open states and maybe you just don't want to practice the method anymore. Just be in the openness. And he's like, he actually recommends staying with the method because it says it's so easy to see yourself and thinking you're just kind of like there, you're just yeah. open. Um, and so, um, so I think it's not, it's not just a crutch. It's actually a good thing to, to keep returning to. Um, but I think one thing that Smitha, your question obliquely brought to mind is one of the biggest, you know, the, the hardest things about practice is knowing how much effort to put in. You know, it's like how hard to go and how when to pull back and be soft. And I think that um, like the way I just said, you know, I'm actually not really feeling the breath in any textured way. Like there are moments where I think it can be easy to get kind of lazy. And just sit there and just kind of like, yeah, you're kind of there, but you're kind of like just daydreaming. And, you know, and um, I, I'm sort of feel the breath, but so the feeling the breath in a textured way, feeling the hands, hearing every sound, not just like the loud sounds in your environment, making sure are ways that you can pull yourself back into a little bit more effort when you feel like you're getting a little too soft. And then you can also, it's also important not to be too anal about holding on to all those anchors really tightly. Cause that's, you know, as soon as you're too, bring too much effort, then it's also counterproductive. So it's this dance of kind of like wanting not to be too soft, also wanting not to be too hard. And mm. for each of us, we just need to get that feel. And it's going to change sitting to sitting day to day and like period in our life to period in our life. That goes a little beyond what you're asking about. But I, I would say it's not actually a problem to keep track of the anchors. I think that's okay. Yeah. Okay. I like seeing the pets in the in the different Zoom boxes. <laughs> we have a cat. I think I saw a dog earlier. Yeah. They're lucky. They don't need this. <laughs> I don't know if someone's gonna say something. But there's one, one way of getting at this experience, which might be useful for some people if you felt like, okay, I understand the three anchors, but I understand what he's talking about this, like not needing the anchors. So, um, I was actually, I don't know why, it was a flashback, but I was thinking about drum circles <laughs> earlier today. Um, oh, thank you, Katerina. Yeah, um, and, um, and thinking back to the days when I used to go to Grateful Dead concerts and, um, and uh, um, that experience of being in a drum circle where there are different polyrhythms going on can be um, like 
this experience of of um, letting go into this. It, it's it's a little bit like that experience of um, of um, being aware, but not trying. Because if you try, then you actually if you try to follow the beat in a really complex polyrhythm, you end up losing it. You can't keep it. Or like being in the zone when you're an athlete or a musician. That kind of feeling of just kind of like going with the flow, you know? Um, so there are other domains in which this kind of effortless awareness is possible. But I think the difference is that all of those are action specific. Like you get that kind of state by doing this or that particular activity. So you can feel in the zone, you know, um, aware in this effortless way by doing this or thing, that thing, but actually it's not gonna be available to you in the rest of life, right? So this is an interesting version of that where actually it's just about doing nothing and yet still having that kind of open awareness, which is much harder to cultivate because I think probably some of you experience this, there is something about this that does not want to be present, you know? Um, and this is the interesting thing. It's like we come because we want to be present. And what happens when we practice presence is we come face to face with those parts of us that really would rather do anything than be present. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And I, no, it's not, doesn't, don't wanna diminish the, the significance of that tendency in us by simple answering in some simplistic way. It's, just, it's, it's a question, it's exploration. It's like, like, it's like, why is it that we leave home constantly when we want nothing more than to, to feel at home in the moment? Okay, it's 8.34. So um, I'm happy to hang for a few minutes if anyone wants to ask any follow-up questions. But I hope this practice, I don't know, I, 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 I cannot recommend it enough. Um, you know, dual awareness, three-point awareness, they're, they're, um, it's the bread and butter, you know, it's, um, so, and we'll just keep, we'll keep at it. You know, there are a lot of different wrinkles to what comes up and what gets in the way. But ultimately it's not that complicated. It's simple, but hard, right? So, okay. Um, can we sit for half a minute? If people, and just so I like, I like sitting just for a, a bit before we say goodnight. Okay. Okay, my friends, good night. Nice to see you all. And I'll see hopefully some of you next week. Yeah. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you, guys.